welcome to Voss Bombas, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle award-winning novel for best horror, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as Pretty, Ugly, and the Hotel series. With me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes the award-winning novel Dibs, Since September, and Move on Melinda. With us today is the fantastic Robert Gwaltney, here to talk about all things writing, as well as to celebrate his debut novel, The Cicada Tree, which, spoiler alert, Allison and I have been freaking out about since we read the first paragraph and both said, it's the best thing I've read this year. Um, and then we're just each kind of like messaging each other nonstop saying, which part are you at now? I have to talk to you. Yeah, I had to not spoil it for you for a while because I got ahead of you and then you were catching up and you'd be like, this is happening. And just all I could be would be saying, I know I didn't point, want to spoil what was coming next. So I know I, I said, I'm at the party. And all you wrote Wrong. back was read, 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 read. read. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, the, that's the coolest thing. Um, actually interacting with people who've read your novel and, and liked, and it's just such a new experience for me. And, and it's so cool when people connect. Oh, I see Linda Martin, who actually was one of my first readers and she's been amazing. Hello, oh, Linda. Yay. Oh, Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. Linda says, and I'll, I just read stuff in because some people are just hearing this so they won't see the comment that said, it said, good evening, Allison, Robert and Jennifer is such a fabulous book. So she is here to support you. Yeah, I love Linda. Thank you for being here, Such a fabulous book. So, Robert, let's tell our viewers and our listeners a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about the cicada tree. Okay. So um, I grew up in, in southwest Georgia, a small town called Cairo, Georgia. It's spelled like Cairo, Egypt, but people are really particular about how you pronounce it down south. Um, I moved to Atlanta in... Uh, 2000. By day, I work as vice president of early education and care for Easter Seals North Georgia, a nonprofit. And um, I also work as a prose editor for the Blue Mountain Review, an online literary um, arts and literature magazine. And in all the hours between, I write. <laughs> when do you sleep? I was going to say, I don't see how there are hours between all of that, but managing to get a wonderful book out like The Cicada Tree, you managed it somehow, maybe just at night. I don't know. Uh, up early, up early before right. I start the day job. Yeah. A couple of hours each morning and then a huge weekend writer. Very nice. Very nice. I've been trying for years to become a morning writer. How's that going for you? <laughs> oh, I fail all the time. Um, I've taken in the past year, three early morning intensive daily writing workshops with the fantastic author Diane Zina. And each time I like go every morning for a week and then I skip one day and then I'm like, oh, wow, I can't, I can't. Well, that's oh, why I called wow. you out on it because I knew you'd been doing those. I'm like, and how is that working for you, Jen, with your Not good, morning? not good. It's because I stay up until like 2 a.m. That's oh. also true. Robert, have you always been a morning person? Is this just kind of yeah. how you're wired? I I, you know, um, by after lunch, from a creative perspective, it's not going to happen. No, um, I'm the same way. And and I know that there are people who are like, especially when I had younger kids who'd be like, well, once they go to bed and then I had to stop them right there going, you think my kids sleep? 
they don't sleep. <laughs> but even then, once they even got to the point where they do sleep, I am so mentally just off by about 2, 3 p.m. I'm not writing great stuff at 6 p.m., let alone 11. Yeah, me too. And I, I typically, you know, like out of bed, brushing teeth or shaving, I can work out plot issues or that's, mm. you know, it's, I think some, there's something kind of magical about just getting out of that dream state. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. your, your mind is fresh and open. So um, I've been able to work through a lot by getting I up early. See, I, I, I fall into that, like right as I'm falling asleep, like there are so many nights that I'm about to fall asleep and I grab my phone and I just like type a random stuff to myself and text it. And then the next day I'm like, okay, these are my weird notes auto-corrected into like <laughs> something different but so and I then you love have to the translate them back the, to English then I translate them back yeah. to English I, I love the half dream state though which is again mm-hmm. why I've been trying to become a morning writer because like a million years ago I was a morning writer sorry I know it went away so Robert how long did it take for you to be writing the cicada tree because you're doing mornings and then these these weekends and cicada tree it's not it's not a short book I didn't feel like it was a huge tome because we have a PDF. We need to get the paperback so we can color all over it and highlight all our favorite lines. But I don't actually know how long it is. It didn't feel um, like it was three hundred and twenty-three pages. I okay. wrote hundred thousand words. Okay, yeah. So it's a, it's a good size, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's not one that people are going to look at and go, "I can't no. tackle this." Yes, you right. can. You'll want yeah. to. Please do. Yes, I think it's pretty manageable. So, so I guess if you were to compress the time that I through the years that I've worked on this, the Cade True probably around five years. I mean, I've seriously been writing um, for about 17 years. Um, yeah, I, I got to the point where I thought if I don't start doing it now, it's just never going to happen. I hear and, you. Um, yeah. And I took, I took some creative writing classes in college. Um, I initially was going, thought I was going to be a journalism major. And I always loved, the, I always loved those creative writing classes. Um, and so I just got really serious about it. I started taking some additional classes after work. Um, I joined Atlanta Writers Club. I joined the critique group and I just dug in and started to write. Um, there was a novel that I was attempting to write before the cicada tree, which actually sort of led to the cicada tree. Ooh. Ooh. Tell yeah. us about that. So, um, so there was a novel. Um, it was actually going to take place in the 1970s. The protagonist was a little boy who was 11. His mother um, was Annalise. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Annalise is the main character for this, for people who are going, who the heck's an Annalise? Who's yeah. Annalise? Should I know? Yes. So in the cicada tree, um, the, the protagonist is 11-year-old Annalise Newell, a whiskey-drinking piano prodigy. And, cheers, and, Annalise. Cheers, cheers. Cheers, Annalise. as bad whiskey as what she, she would totally drinking. love that bourbon cocktail you're drinking. Oh, yeah, because there's there's maraschino. This is made for a living. <laughs> That's made for an <laughs> right, friendly. I love that she was drinking Old Crow, too. Old Crow. Old Crow plays a very big part in my gothic fiction novel, Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent. So I, the second I, I saw that. Old Crow, I'm like, yes. Old Crow. Um, and so I was so fascinated with with and adult Annalise. And I'm thinking, you know, what what happened to you to make you like this? Uh, and I just started asking her a lot of questions. And she really just, um, she rose to the top. And that's how the cicada tree came to be. I just wow. uh, focused in on her. I don't know if I've ever heard a story like that where someone has an adult character that they realize there's so much to explore from their youth. And it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of times we get 
I wouldn't say distracted, but maybe confused by the fact that you've got a main character who's a child, because there's nothing about this book for children. I'm just going to no. put that out there. Anybody who's yes. doing, oh, I'm looking for something. My 11-year-old is not allowed anywhere near this book. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no especially with the inclusion of like one very specific swear word. Yeah. Oh, that one. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's, like the, it's like the granddaddy of bad words, don't you think? It I don't even know why I that like, is, but it is. We've had that that conversation about like, how does this one become worse than I'm, that one? I yeah. said, I was like, good for you, Annalise. You were the like, first. You're the first people who've actually brought that up, and I'm so glad that that you did. So, well, first, yeah, I wasn't please. offended by it, but I no. was like, it was because there wasn't a lot of cursing in no. that book at all. Yeah. So when you used it, it was you went for it. Maximum yes. impact. Oh, you yeah. know, and, and you'll learn that there's a reason why that word is used, you know, there's yep. a history to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, there's a, really, there's an adult Annalise looking, well, a young adult Annalise looking back on the summer that she turned not, uh, she turned 11 in 1956. So um, I did that because I knew that I didn't want, there I was going to tell it through the eyes of an 11 year old. I could do that in dialogue, but in exposition, I wanted to be able to use the language that I loved. Yeah. So that's why I mm-hmm. chose to, to have an adult Annalise look back on the year of 1956. Well, and the language you use is uh, just, yeah, Jen's uh, just going to go over there and. I wanted to <laughs> highlight every single line. <laughs> this is why used bookshops hate me. Cause that's what I would have done. Um, because I feel like we were talking about this. It's gorgeous literary prose, but then there's something so inherently Gothic and Southern, and I know it's Southern Gothic, so why I should be surprised, I really don't know. But I have never read anything like it that just well, it's also like very bingeable, too. Like, it certain, and I love Gothic fiction, I write Gothic fiction, but sometimes it's like the language is so dense and the subject matter so heavy that you can read a little bit out of a time and then you have to kind of like sit back and savor it. This I was savoring the entire time, but I couldn't put it down, right. (laughs) Well, and I think that's a, that's a combination of how good the prose was. But I know I, I said in one of the posts when I was saying, hey, come watch this show, is that even though you've got this literary sensibility to the language, the plot still absolutely just is pounding you forward that you cannot stop reading because one scene is just leading to another and you just need to know what happened next happens next. And I know a lot of times in literary, they're like, plot? What plot? There's a lot of plot here. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm glad you feel that because that's what I wanted. You know, when I read the cicada tree, I wanted to write something. I wanted to find, I wanted to write that book that I've been looking for and just haven't been able to find. And I knew that if I was going to commit to, you know, writing a book, as you ladies know, is kind of like being in a relationship. It's a marriage. If you, you if you commit to that story, yeah. you're going to love it because you're going to be with it for a while. Some days you hate it. Some, some days, days you hate it. it. Yeah. Some days you just stare at it going, why are you still here? Why and why are you, are you doing there? anything? Why, yeah, why aren't you doing it? Poke at it. Poke. Why at you never listen to me? <laughs> I know, you don't listen to me. Why are you just talking mm-hmm. over me? It's not yeah. always about you. Sometimes it's about me. It's about, me. No, it's about the book. It's about the book. So it's, it's not about, about you. Yeah, um, I will say you said marriage, and this is kind of a funny story. Yesterday, I spent part of yesterday finishing your book, Robert, and I, I have this little like place in my house it's this tower room very gothicy it's where i write it's where i read it's and where I, people have died somebody wow. might have died up there um, <laughs> yeah, it's true i came downstairs and my husband was you know he works at home and he's like how's it going and i went i finished the book 
And he assumed I meant I finished writing my book because I was so excited. And he was like, cocktails. And I went, oh, no, I mean, I finished reading Robert's book. He's like, but you seem so excited. I'm like, it was amazing. And I still want cocktails. So I hope you didn't turn him down. We're cocktailing now. We're cocktailing now. Cocktails here. But so you said it took like five, five years working off and on with it. Was there ever a point where you thought I'm not writing about an 11 year old or this is going to not really go the way I want it to because of this? Or what, what was it that slowed you down from five years to get the book done? Or is it just, that's just how long you wanted to marinate yes. with each sentence? Cause these were like five year long sentences in terms of how quality they were yeah, like not did. long, but they felt like they took five years to write. Yeah, we didn't feel like we were reading a vomit <laughs> draft. Good, good, no. good. Well, like, I think that, you know, I was learning, you know, this is really sort of my first um, fully completed novel. And I learned, you know, sort of life happened a little bit along the way, um, uh, prom- promotional opportunities at Easter Seals and um, things slowed a bit. But I always knew, I always felt the story, you know, and this might sound very woo woo, but you know, like you can almost sit and like, it's kind of like your life passing before your eyes that you can really sort of sense and feel your story pass before your eyes very quickly. I always knew the arc of, of where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And I always knew, um, you know, I call sort of the ending that without, I don't want to give spoilers, sort of, you know, Cordelia Swan song. And I knew I knew that I, I knew that I needed to get there to that moment where mm-hmm. she told her story. Yeah. And, yeah, and so, yeah, getting, getting there, you have to make sure that once you, once you do get there, it feels earned and it absolutely does, but I can see how that would take time to kind of figure out what's going to make that, that payoff really have that weight. And it absolutely, it absolutely does. Thank you. And I also, I also had the vision of the, the Mayfield gala, you know, I couldn't wait I have a good friend in my writer writing group, critique group. His name is Jeff Blocker. And he calls those scenes that you want to get to candy bar scenes. Ooh, candy oh, bars. that's a great I love that. way to call it. Um, and I just, yeah, I was writing, you know, to get to those moments because I had a sense of, of where the story began, the middle and what the end would be. I just really mm-hmm. didn't know how, I, how I would connect all those pieces. And for well, I mean, me, yep. <laughs> we get and, that. <laughs> Exactly. You know, and for me, part of that is the excitement of writing because I'm not an intense plotter. I mean, I might do a little bit of outlining, but for the most part, I really love to see where the characters take you organically. Yes. Um, yes. I, I, I would go into a chapter knowing, okay, this is going to be the last resonant image. Mm-hmm. What What can happen that's interesting that will get me there? Oh, I totally know what you mean. Like those images. And I sometimes have, because I'm a very dialogue driven writer in many times. And so a lot of times I have like what I call my kicker lines, what I end something on. So it's like, oh, I don't want to mess with something near the end of a chapter because I need that to be the end of the chapter line, that kicker that sits with you for a minute. Even if they're turning the page right after, I want that to be that sit with you line and having that sit with you image. I totally get that. You like, you want them to sit in that place that it has to be earned and you have to feel like, okay. If I stop here, am I going to have this image that's just going to stick with me while I go do something else? Absolutely, yes. And you had gorgeous last lines to every single chapter in this book. I and you know a lot of times they were in italics, mm-hmm. and the 
the nerd in me wanted to take all of those lines and put them together and see if it was just like this epic, beautiful poem, because I feel like it would still work. It probably oh, would. You know what? We'll have to get a lot we'll do of it. I'm like, we'll do it. You do it. It's your I'm book. Really, it's your book. <laughs> a lot of weird things happen subconsciously, don't you think, when you're writing? Yes. Yeah. You, I'm, I'm just now realizing people will say things about the book, things that they'll say and and I'll think, gosh, you know, I didn't think about it. Yeah, you have, just have to be like, yeah, I, that was I symbolism. Totally. That's just. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I am that smart. I'm that smart. <laughs> that that's, yeah, I've had, I, I think we've all had those readers that say something like, oh, I love how you tied this and this and this together. And you're like, yeah. I did that. Didn't I? I did that in my brain. And that was planned. But I think sometimes our brain is doing it. We just, it our is. brain is doing What's that line? Of, you didn't notice, but your brain did. A lot of subconscious stuff happens when you're in that creative mode. I think mm-hmm. that's for me. <laughs> it does for me too. I feel, you know, I think a lot of writers will say like, Oh, our characters take over. We're just kind of like channeling the muse. And I totally believe that. So when you said this might sound woo woo, I get it. Eh. That's my whole life. I, love, I say embrace the woo-woo. Embrace the woo-woo. Let's say, let me see if I can get this comment up here. So Linda says, I read it in three days. It was hard to put down. And then it's like, my favorite line is Jane pointed. Oh. <laughs> like, yep. I have to tell you about, so Linda, um, I heard about the cicada tree on social media. Mm-hmm. She connected with me. She was reading, um, I guess she must have been reading a NetGalley version of it. And she would check in. She was so sweet. She would check in with me via Facebook Messenger. She goes, oh, my God. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And, I, and, I'm, like, and um, I'm like, okay, well, it's going to get better, I promise. Just wait, hold on. And <laughs> but so it even was, started strong, so you don't even have to say it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get better because I was sold by the first paragraph. I was paragraph. captivated on the first said, paragraph. Activated. And I kept saying, it's going to get darker. It's going to get darker. Be ready. And um, she would check in with me and I would, it was so much fun experiencing that with her uh, that she would you know, take the time to check in. And, um, and then when she was finished, she let me know when she had a few questions and so it's been a lovely experience. I think that's what on this debut journey of mine, I think that's what I'm most excited about um, interfacing with readers who read it and who enjoyed it and who want to talk about it is very fulfilling for me. Well, and he, my only frustration is because we are live and there are people here who we still want to go have read your book. We have to be like spoiler free so we don't say everything and then go ahead and give away all the cool things. But I will say But that. we can write to you. We can schedule a separate Zoom. Yes. Like, yeah. We're just not stopping. Well, and one of the things that was funny is so after we were done, Jen and I were both talking about like, okay, I saw this coming, but I didn't see this coming. And oh, I had no about no idea about this because getting back to one of the things I said earlier, this book it has such a strong narrative. And for people who like things like domestic suspense, there are a lot of twists and turns in this that you don't necessarily get from a lot of literary, literary fiction. This just kept throwing them at you. And some things were, you could go back and see the telegraph. And Jen and I were talking later about things that happened later. She's like, was it this or this? I'm like, well, I thought it was this. She's like, well, I thought it was this. So you don't have to be the arbiter, but I know I'm right. Um, <laughs> I will just say I love, and not that you didn't have an ambiguous ambiguous ending at all. No. I love in literature when you can take certain aspects of something and see it two different ways Me and have too. both be very fulfilling. 
Again, this is my way of being, I'm vaguing so much. I'm like, no, things can be two things. Yes. And now I'm sounding like a woo-woo. Like You are wooing. Woo. It's fine. I, I love that too. I don't, I don't like things as a reader. I think you have to, you have to respect the reader. You have to let them find their way through the book. Readers are smart. And they're, you know, and not two people are going to read the exact same book. Exactly. Because she and I usually share a brain. So for me to be like, I think this. And she's like, oh, I thought this. I'm going, well, I'm not saying you're wrong. but Yeah, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I was like, I'm just saying I love that it can be both. Yes, yes. Because I could totally see her interpretation of what was happening. And she's like, oh, I can see yours too. But there wasn't, there wasn't a, oh, and this is exactly what happened. So it didn't spoon feed us. It just let us kind of come to our own conclusions and then go from there. I love that. I love that that was your experience because I wanted, I wanted on the surface for it to just be an entertaining story. Yes. But, but I also wrote with intention, um, you know, there, there's symbolism, you know, and there's metaphor and, um, so I, I do hope that people who enjoy it enough and might give it a second read will go mm-hmm. back and yeah. examine some of those things. Yeah. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, metaphor is my love language. So I love it. Um, That's like a line of one of your books, Jen. I did. Uh, yeah, I did. I put that <laughs> because it was a conversation I had with somebody and I literally was like, I'm just going to put that directly in my book. You did. <laughs> And I love the line because it's it works for you. For the record, soup is my love language. But, <laughs> but I'm like oh, also potatoes. So did you ever? I have to ask. Did you ever get pushback by the fact that you were writing um, about such young characters? Mm-hmm. Did your agent or did your publisher or anybody or even people in your critique group, things like that, ever say? This is going to be hard to sell because I, I think you're a that, man writing about yeah, young girls. I know, and I, um, and I'm so glad that I've been allowed to get away with it. No one has overtly <laughs> said that. Um, I do think I, you know, I've been rejected by nicely and kindly rejected by the biggest names in publishing. Oh, and that I'm, makes me so angry. That makes I'm me so angry. And I for think you. That, I think that people really. It is a bit unusual, uh, you know, um, it, it's a different sort of book. Um, and I don't know that people knew, you know, initially what to make of it or what to do with it. You know, my agent yeah. loved it from the beginning when um, we were working with a you know, um, a large publisher and I was really excited and the editor loved it. And I was hoping that we really felt like they were going to take it on. Um but the thing that they asked me with was to find comps. Look at our catalog and tell us where you think you fit. Tell me that's not their job to know their own catalog yeah. rather well, than tasking you with it. Yeah. Like, you know, I think all that, of those things like you guys published it. You tell me. I know. Um, which was fine. So I, I went through and I, and I, I tried to figure out where I thought I fit but it was, um, I would have loved to have been with them and, and they, they do great work, but it was hard because I couldn't find anything with, that was close to it. And it's, um, and it's fine. But, I mean, but I get that though, because so here's the thing, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience and only my personal experience, but it does seem that publishing likes to go, we want to be able to show readers 
something that's another version of something they've already seen and are familiar with because then we know how to market it and who to show it to and what kind of cover to put on it and who to have blurb it. And we want all of our work done for us by you guys rather than us figure out who exactly this might appeal to and how it is new and unique and different. And most readers I know want new and unique and different, but if they can't quite figure out where you go and what shelf to put you on and where to figure out exactly what to do with it, then they're like, okay, this may be an amazing book, but we're going to go with something that maybe takes fewer risks is more fitting every mold we've already seen. And it may not be the yeah. best book that's out, but it's going to sell a million copies because people yeah. know what to do with it. And it's going to yeah. have a really pretty cover. Because yeah. like, I really like, like your cover too. Your so cover is gorgeous. Cover. Like, I, was, I was thinking while reading your book, I'm like, what would the comps be? Because we're all in this business. Okay. So I thought To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Mexican Gothic. And a book that. called The Loney. I was even going to add in the lovely bones because you've got a young girl narrator. Lovely bones. I love all of those comps. And, and none of them are exactly right. And that's, and that's right. I know. And people would be you, like, this isn't no, to kill and, a mockingbird. And, and, and here's the thing is, is when I was first pitching and querying the book that eventually died on sub, I pulled some comps that didn't quite work, but they had certain things that made sense. And then I know full well that when it got its way to editors, it had completely different comps on it. That made no sense, but that the agent thought it would make more sense to the editors. So it's like, you have to spoon feed them what they think they want to see. And if they, if there isn't something that's really obvious of, Oh, okay. And the nice thing is I'm hoping your book does so well and gets so many, awards and recognition that people will be able to use your book as a comp to say, Hey, this is something that can be used to show, Hey, people are interested in a young narrator and it doesn't have to be meaning that it's a YA book or a children's book, that it's a book for adults that happens to be, you know, retrospective and retroflective on a time in, in the vulnerabilities of youth when we're still coming to terms with what's happening. Cause it's, it's not a coming of age novel the way a YA novel would be because right. It's no, so, no, it's not. Dope. But but it is like, yeah. But there is like YA coming. At, there's not YA horror. I mean, there is YA horror, but there is coming of age horror that's mm. written by adults. Yeah, that they're creepy comps with this. But again, this isn't really horror. No, are you thinking of like Wormwood? No, because that was. I mean, that's kind of coming of age horror. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't comp this yeah, to that at all. I wouldn't. But you also that. have. There's histor- it's like the Southern Gothic and the historical element. So you said you would have had Annalise in the 70s. So for people who are like, what's going on with this one? This is set in the 50s. So you've, you've got a very different place. And especially with the race relations, you've got a main character who's who's white and a main character, but not a POV character who's a little black girl. Now, all your characters are little girls mostly. But yeah. so it's like, no, and no one said, um, Robert, you're not a little girl. Uh, right. No one, no one. <laughs> no one that no really obviously that. out. That, that um, was very... <laughs> For those of you who are not watching, Robert is not, not a little girl. A little girl. <laughs> I'm um, still pretty much a little maybe, girl. I maybe on the inside, I'm an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> I think uh, on the inside, everyone's an 11-year-old maybe. girl. Yeah, I like that. You know. Um, no one, that didn't seem to to bother anyone. Now, um, what's great is that the smaller presses are more willing to take risk. Yes, exactly. So I feel like... Um, you know, the cicada, it, it was just meant to be. Um, it found you know, the home it was meant to It did. To it it mm-hmm. found the home. And at the end of the day, really, you know, I didn't set out to conquer the world. What I wanted 
more than anything was to get my book out into the world and to begin to build a humble readership and for it to do just well enough where they'll let me write another one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Please That's write another one. All of this. Well, am I allowed to write another one? Please. Yes. Okay. May I have some more. Sorry. I don't know why I just Olivered at you. No, <laughs> I would. I almost Oliver too. That's why you started it. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's the dream mm-hmm. is to just get enough readers to, that say, oh, I can't wait until, until your next book. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what? I know. I can't wait till your next book. Um, and you, we were talking before the show, we've had a lot of your friends have been guests on our show. Yes. Um, and these are not unknown authors. No. <laughs> so, yes. so Kids Club. Very nice. <laughs> You've got the amazing, you know, Kim Taylor Blakemore. Kim I Taylor love Blakemore. Writing. Tanya Not, Mitchell. Tanya Mitchell, who wrote uh, Thane Madness. Oh, mm-hmm. so good. And Georgina Cross. Yep. Nanny oh, Georgina. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nanny Needed. Oh, my goodness. She is, you know, I. she is, you know, is a queen of, of domestic noir thrillers. Isn't yeah. she? Just, yeah. yeah. We, you know. we enjoyed all their books. I think they, some of these are all different historical periods. Georgina's is modern, but those were yes, more set even earlier than yours. So I guess you guys can all have a party in a time machine and just hop to these different eras. <laughs> I just, well, what's funny is I just kept seeing your face and your book on every single person I knew's social media <laughs> for the past month. Everybody's was, excited. Like, I was just like, this is fantastic. Everybody I know is talking about it's, this book. It's been, it, I, it, it's, it's been amazing. I think that, um, I think what's key for writers is to to is to have a community, right? And mm-hmm. for for us to support one another. Um, I, I believe that there's someone know, like, has to. Somebody <laughs> has to. It's not <laughs> internal, at least not for me. <laughs> no. no. No, internal, it's a mess where you're just like crying onto a keyboard saying, Do they know I'm a fraud? <laughs> really, I know. <laughs> I suffer from imposter syndrome myself. But I've had a, you know, I've I've been fortunate to have um, writers who've been very supportive of me, who've, who've taken the time to talk about what they wish that they had known when they were coming along the first time mm. through. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been working with a wonderful woman named Anne-Marie Nieves, who has helped, um, you know, f- from a publicist perspective, helping me get get the word out. So she's been a wonderful partner. Oh, is she your publicist? This journey. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna say whoever your publicist like, is is doing a bang up job because she, she's you know what? everywhere. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I didn't even know what a Instagram book tour was until like several months ago. I did well, really- and and that explains why for people who are like, yeah, I'm on Instagram and sometimes see all the books looked awfully okay. the same, and that's because they're on a tour right then, and they are well, all the same yeah. because they're they're making the rounds. It's, it's astonishing how much social media plays in, mm-hmm. in getting the word out about about books and um in in book advocates you know there's so many wonderful book club organizations mm-hmm. um there's the, the 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 international pulpit queen and timber guy book club okay um, i saw the name of that and i just went that is the world's it, longest name and it it's hilarious, but i kind of wanted on a sweatshirt in, in a wonderful community you know of writers who are very supportive mm-hmm. there, there, there are lots and lots of um great groups out there um bookish road trip uh, I love that pandemic, uh, ca- uh, novels and lattes. Um, yeah. just so many, I could just go on and on, but it's wonderful to have these communities that support writers and that uh, support readers. 
Well, and it's it's really great as a reader to know that the author is open. I'm not saying everybody, please go flood Robert with your DMs as you read it, because at some point he will block you. But I, I know that as a writer myself, I do love it when writers or fellow writers who are either reading it as a beta or have bought the books after they're out, go ahead and tell me those like play by play things that you can get it from like a whole book club at the same time telling you what they loved and and how much they're excited to read more about what's going on with your books and maybe another book coming. Yeah. Yeah. I said you was you're thinking about like asking what I might like to do next. Well, yeah. I mean, you didn't say that you aren't going to write Annalise yeah. in 1970, but I don't know if that's something that you have any interest in doing or if you're like, or if you're just creating a large yeah. universe where maybe all of these cicada universe, the universe. It's a cataverse. I'd, uh, I'd be on it's, that. It's funny. Early on, people um, before it was before the novel was published. When I, when I was writing, they would say, "Well, we consider writing. Or you, would you do a prequel? Prequel? Hmm. Would you do a sequel?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not. I'm done with the cicada tree. I am done." And um, now, and now you're like, "What about Cordelia?" I, <laughs> let me tell you what happened. So I was I was working on this other novel. It was going to, this Southern Gothic was going to take place in the 1930s. Uh, and I'll still get to this novel. And the protagonist is a ghost. His name is Samuel. Yes. But so the epilogue, you, you guys, you, you ladies read the version that had the epilogue, right? Yes. Okay. I'm so like, was it labeled as an epilogue? Yeah, I guess it was labeled as an epilogue. I just, I don't remember seeing the word epilogue, but I'm assuming it was there. Um, so it was there. <laughs> yeah. So I, the epilogue was not original. So the net galley version did not have the epilogue in it. Oh, and um, it ended with, in a, ends in a, in a very dark place, which I liked, but um, I felt like when we were going through edits with the publisher, I, mm -hmm. I said, I think we need some extra beats. I think, mm. I, would, I think that there needs to be just not bright hope, but maybe a thread of hope woven through. Mm -hmm. um, so people have a sense of what happened and might perhaps what might come next. And writing that whole epilogue was just a very emotional experience for me. I mean, I wet through the the whole. I mean, just days of oh. weeping at the keyboard. <laughs> well, if I'm if I'm assuming what the epilogue is, I can completely see why you would. And it was yeah, and and and, and so what we'll call it is a gathering. You know, the epilogue is sort of a gathering. Yeah, it is, and um. <sighs> And I made a couple of decisions, you know, that were final in that epilogue. That's true. Yeah. Think doors that you may have left open. You're like, and closing yeah. that. <laughs> but, but it seemed right. It, it, mm -hmm. seemed, it, it seemed like the right thing to do. And when I was writing that epilogue, I started thinking, oh, my God, what, what's Annalise like at 14 and Etta Mae at 13? And when they're when they're in the full throes of adolescence and they're coming mm -hmm. into their um, extraordinary abilities. What, what might that look like? So I have an idea. Uh, I know what the exciting incident is. And, uh, and the working title is Sing Down the Moon. Oh, I love that. That gave me chills. Mm. That's the woo-woo right there. That's the woo-woo. Yeah, I was thinking when, like, when I got to the end, when I got to the epilogue, all I could think was like, I would definitely be on board for like a series of these books that mm -hmm. happened every time the cicadas came back. Over 13 years. So, so <laughs> I went to any great, so my thought is, and we can talk offline about this. I'd be yeah. happy to pick, I'd love to pick your brain. Yeah, the but episode's I, over. Just <laughs> <right>. <laughs> See ya, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> but, but I'm thinking that, that the cicadas probably don't come back in full force in this second novel. That that there's another 
um, interesting natural occurrence that might happen, you know, in the right. mm -hmm. novel. The cicadas have a symbolic meaning. And so if right. that's not the same theme, you shouldn't have the same occurrence. I think exactly. that's, that, that makes total sense rather than, oh, cicadas are at it again. Get yeah. the right. Yes. And I'm, and I'm thinking that it probably starts um, in October before Halloween and will go through Christmas. Cause I love, I love novels that take place in the holidays and mm -hmm. other novels almost always happen in the throes of summer. So yeah, because the humidity becomes another character. Yeah, Thank you, Tennessee Williams. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I think you, you can be sultry and not be in the heat. <laughs> You're like, please. Yes. I feel I like my feel best sultriness happens not in the heat. <laughs> I love it. Well, so I, I'm glad I'm I'm glad you're still going with these characters. And if you pull out new ones, I mean, your ability is just so on display. I can't imagine. Oh, well, it was just limited to these characters and this particular instance. It was lightning in a bottle, and we shall never recreate. No, no, yeah. this is this is just the first of what I'm sure is going to be many, many books from you. And hopefully not five years per book because I'm not that patient. Well, so so, <laughs> so if you need early readers, what we're yeah, doing is oh, this, we're saying we would love to be on. A I would love that. I would love. I know. <laughs> like if you need somebody, um, we would definitely do it, and you wouldn't have to worry about us not communicating with you during the process. We would no, because we're annoying that way. I mean, oh, I, I mean, responsive. That's that's responsive. responsive. I love responsive. It's responsive. Although annoyingly I responsive. I, I will joke. So I am this close to finishing the fourth in my series, and Jen knows this and has volunteered so graciously to to read for me. And then we finish this, and I'm like, I beg you, please go read something mediocre before you read mine. This cannot be the last book in your head before oh, you read no. my stuff. I need you to lower your standards like way down again, please. I was like, your book is going to be beautiful. I'm yeah, going to love I'm it. And like, she was like, read something else. And I'm just like, please, please, I need you to have a mental palate cleanser because if you have this in your head, nothing's going to measure up. Just well, give it I am over the moon that you ladies enjoyed the book. That's, loved it. Just that's, crazy loved it. That, that, that's been the, the oddest experience for me. And strangers reading it, I, I don't worry so much, but friends and other authors terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. It, there's nothing more frightening when then somebody you really respect is like, oh, I'm reading your book. And then I'm like, I'm going to throw myself out a window. No. And then, and then the wait to hear back. <laughs> and then the wait. And then if you don't hear back, then you're like. You think the worst, which yeah. I do. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. that's always me too, including with, with your betas where you, you can know that the world is falling down on them, but you can still be going, but they're not reading my book. They're in the hospital having an organ removed, but they're not reading my book. You know, they could be <laughs> reading it while they're recovering. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that when I asked for blurbs for my last book, oh, yeah. I, I asked, like, mm -hmm. I asked people that I really looked up to. Mm -hmm. And, and they all like, said yes and delivered pretty much when like, they did. Didn't you time, know, but some didn't have time, but like, yeah, but just waiting for the ones who were like, sure, I'll do it. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel sick. I feel sick. I feel sick. And it was, it was like me for like weeks just being like, what if the blurb comes back? I hated it. And my husband's yeah. like, they're not going to say that. They'll just, do that. They'll just you know, say like they couldn't do it. Yeah. I had this glamorous, um, I, I, I guess, vision of, of how the blurb thing worked. I did really? not realize. What did you think it would be? I want to know the I thought, I thought that other people would get them for you. 
Oh, yeah. Like David, <laughs> but, so I don't know. Mark okay. So I yeah. don't know that people know, but when, um, you know, you think that, okay, like agents and, and other individuals will ask, you know, oh, would you please read my author's book? Yeah. No, you have to do it. Yeah. I think when you're with like the big, huge, fancy places, they yeah. might have a Maybe. say in it, but. But us, you yeah. know, medium and small press and indie press people are the ones humbly yeah, tail between your legs going, mm-hmm. uh, Sean Cosby, could you please blurb my book? Which is what I did. And I was like, he's going to say no. <laughs> he's going well, no. to say no. You have to go for it. <laughs> the people, you know, writers in the, in the, in the writer community are, are kind. I mean, I've, yeah. I've maybe only had a couple of challenging experiences, but for the 99% of the time, people are so lovely and warm and giving. I want to hear know. those after we're off air. Cause you know, those are fun, but no, you know, oh, the ones that aren't right. And, and I feel like most, most authors are so lovely and are so they want to help. They want to mm-hmm. give their inside experience. And sometimes it's like, well, we can't necessarily share some of these names online. So as soon as you're off, we will, we will have some, some tea being spilled about, who to, yes. who to go to, who to avoid. And I think most of them, if they can't, it's because their plate is so full too, because this business yeah. is so demanding. And so many yeah. of us don't have just the luxury to make this our only job. So people are, here's my day job, or I'm taking care of my kids full time, or I'm taking care of relatives full time. And then, okay, now I've got to do my work by my deadlines. Oh, and I was also supposed to blurb your book. I yeah. I want to. It's, a, it's tricky. It's a tricky juggling act. But, and I you can't know. juggle. I I'm, just am not I'm really uncoordinated. You're a dancer. You are a dancer. I'm really <laughs> no. uncoordinated. <laughs> I know. I knew you were going to bring up being a dancer. <laughs> you are. Though. Uh, so you have an extraordinary ability. You're. You can dance. I. I am. I'm a. Pro- I'm a professional dancer. That's my day job. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm I an, I'm an old that. professional dancer. You're not old. <laughs> no. So, yeah, my husband and I are both ballroom dancers. And that's how Oh, my God. I know everyone's always just like, what's your favorite dance? I'm like, the Foxtrot. And they're like, well, what kind of books do you write? And I'm like, like sad, gothic, terrifying, (laughs) terrible, depressing things. No one dances. No one dances in my books. If they do, it's. Any dancing in yours is like He's that scene good. in the Haunted Mansion when you're going yeah. up above and there's everybody's just spinning on their little thing. That's only dancing and they're all yeah. super people. Yeah. I yeah. wanted, <laughs> I, mean, I, I would have loved to have taken dance lessons as a boy, but little boys in South Georgia oh. do not take oh, yeah. dance lessons. That didn't happen. Uh, you can it take did them not now. Happen. No. You can take them now. Although it, it was fun that the one dance class I took in college was taught by a man who used to be a football player. So he would have let you in our class. Absolutely. And then he probably would have made you run laps too. Cause he's yeah. still a football player. Or do push-ups if I didn't yeah. if I got a step Seriously. Wrong. I mean, honestly, <laughs> push-ups are bad, but some of the ones we did where we were doing the ab flexes, where we coming up in, in five, coming up like this and then back down. Those are worse than push-ups. Those Ugh, are worse than My abs hurt thinking about it. I know. I'm like, like grimacing. Five years out of shape. <laughs> well, on that note, Robert, thank you for being here. Everybody who is watching this live or watching it on the replay, please go support your local independent bookseller or go online to bookshop.org. And please buy The Cicada Tree by Robert Gwaltney. It's amazing. Bright yellow cover. Can't Bright yellow, gorgeous cover. Um, and stay tuned next week when we have the fantastic Edwin Hill talking about his latest release, The Secrets We Keep. 
Oh, the secrets we share. Sorry, I'm like the secrets we keep. That's not the book. The secrets we You've share. You've already blown it. Already blown it. The secrets. The secrets. The book with the secrets that we share. <laughs> so, and everybody who might be watching this on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. Also, leave us a glowing review on <laughs> Apple. <laughs> You're asking too much, Jen. I'm Sorry. asking. Yeah, I'm like Way do all much. the things, like all the things, subscribe to all the things, and stay tuned next week. And we will see you then. Bye.